Hello, it is Wednesday, July 22nd. I am Trent Reinsmith, your host for the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. So it is time for another edition. And I want to start off with um, some news that's not really new, but not really getting the coverage I, I I think it deserves, and that is that Nevada is no longer going to disclose fighter pay. So this will leave California as the only major player in the MMA world that discloses fighter pay. And I think that's a problem, and I think that fighters should be up in arms over this. I think fighter managers should be up in arms over this. And I think the only winner in all of this is the UFC. Um, someone who I believe shares that view is Anthony Smith. And I'm going to play a clip of what he had to say on the subject. Uh, I believe it was on his serious uh, radio show with RJ Clifford. So here is that clip and then I'll have more to say about um, how I feel about it and how I, why I think it's a bad thing that this is um, now just up to California to disclose fighter pay and that it's really, I believe it's going to hurt the uh, fighters a lot more than I think they think it will or even if they're even thinking about it at all. Uh, but it sounds like Anthony Smith is thinking about it. So here's what Smith had to say. Now, they just announced, and this is a piece of legislation that's been moving for about a year, that they will no longer release fight purses. Anthony, what's your biggest takeaway on this? It used to be like, I don't want fans knowing how much money I make. And Number one, half the time those reports that come out, they're almost always wrong. A lot of times they're like two or three contracts behind, which I don't mind because people don't actually know. But if we all know what each other makes, then that, that gives us power in our, in, in our negotiating. Like, you know, I beat so-and-so, he beat this person. I'm here in the rankings. This guy made this much money, and, and, and you can kind of use it. I guess that kind of gets taken away a little bit. But, like, mine isn't correct, you know? Like, that's just what's on the bout agreement. That's what they're showing. They're showing what's on the bout agreement. Fortunately, they're not showing our contracts and stuff. But I've been that's saying that the commissions are useless for a long time. We hate you as fighters. We can't stand being around you. And they think that their job is this super important position and that they're these fiduciaries for the fighters and you're not we look at you like the police like i will avoid you and that's why we don't like you it's like every commission is looking for a reason to, to punish a fighter or pull him from a fighter like that's why we don't like you like you guys get in the way i don't understand this move as far as if you're not releasing information and we as fighters don't like you and you don't actually do anything to look over the fighters or, or keep the usc accountable or whatever what do you actually do I just went on a rant. I don't even know if that has shit to do with purses. No, 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 no. I hate the athletic commissions. I think they're worthless. Not really going to comment too much on Mr. Smith's attitude towards the athletic commission. I want to focus on his words about the negotiating power because I think this is what is being missed. So what he said is, if we all know what each other makes, then that gives us power when negotiating. Like, I beat so-and-so, he beat this person, I'm here in the rankings, this guy made this money, and you can kind of use it. I guess that gets taken away. Um, 
and then there's the fact that what we see is not always what the fighters get paid but at least there was something to go by and if the UFC doesn't want to release the full pay well then that's on the UFC um, to they really need to do that that's another topic and I wrote a story about this and it's going to be on bloody elbow at some point I believe and I uh, took uh, some things from the NHL when they first started disclosing uh, player salaries. And in 1990, 1991, the season ending in 1991, um, someone like, I think it was Patrick Waugh, was making $1.5 or $1 million. And then two seasons later, because of fighter, I mean, not fighter pay, because of a player salary disclosure, he went up to $2.6 million. And during this video that the NHLPA put out, Mike Gartner, who is a veteran player and one of the best players um, in the history of the game, he said that when the pay disclosure happened, the players almost immediately, the majority of them, saw increases of, they, they more than doubled their money just because of how far the the NHL had pushed salaries down. Uh, once the numbers came out, they, they flew up. And um, someone like Mark Recchi during that season was making $105,000 the season before they were disclosed and I think after the disclosure he he easily quadrupled his money um, I think it was 850 or something something ridiculous but he went way up Steve Eiserman was being underpaid at this time um, a lot of big name players were being underpaid at this time and we know this is happening in the UFC as well so you'll hear all the excuses how uh, they don't want their fighter pay disclosed because then they people will know what they make and that's all bullshit uh, Because this is also something the NHL went through and I hope the I Tweeted it out. I hope the uh, UFC players uh, fighters watch the video that is put out and See how it goes because the the NHL players had that same concern one of the guys said he didn't want his neighbor, you know, he went when he was pulling out to go to the game, he didn't want his neighbor looking at him weird, knowing how much money he made. But then there was the player who was vehemently against the disclosure, as as a lot of players were, which is in this video, and you can watch it on the NHLPA website. Um, but once his contract expired and he was up for uh, renegotiation, he went back to the union and thanked them for for the disclosure because it, it, it elevated his pay because you have comparables then. You can say, and when you go back to the UFC, you can say, I've had this many fights, I have this many wins, I'm ranked at this spot. What are the, what are the fighters around me make? And you don't have to ask that because you'll know that if you have the disclosed pay. And... Then, then that's when the negotiating can start 
because you have a starting point on your side. You can say that, you know, I compare here. I fit in with these four or five guys or gals and I'm not making what they're making, but I should be. And then you negotiate from there. Now, when you take Nevada out of the equation, now that pool of information becomes very small. But not only that, it allows the UFC to selectively put the fights it wants to in California. So we know Nevada is a big fight uh, location for the UFC. We know they want to have big fights there because they can charge higher ticket prices and and drive up the gate. And so they're going to have title fights in Vegas. But if you limit that disclosure of pay to just one state, California isn't going to get title fights or big name fights at this point because the UFC doesn't want those fighters to know what they what what the pay is in, in that in that range uh, and so without that the top the top tier of fighters no one will really know what they're making and so why it, while it might help Nevada compete with states like New York who don't have who who don't disclose pay it's going to hurt the fighters it's going to help the UFC it's going to hurt the the media because they can't advocate for the fighters in this case which we I think we all know that the UFC underpays its fighters and we've seen that in the split again to beat this drum the split is designed that 80% of the revenue goes to the UFC and 20 to the to the fighters and this allows that to at the very best stay the same but worse it could go further in the in favor of the UFC because we don't know and we can't report on what it's paying its fighters and so people who watch these things like John Nash at Bloody Elbow he can't really report on them anymore because he'll only have one state to look at and it's not going to be the top tier of fighters that are going to be fighting in California. Maybe you'll get some. Uh, maybe there'll be title fights where folks get flat fees because then it's not really, uh, there's nothing really to compare. But I don't think you're going to see a top ranked fighter who's on a a good pay scale fight in California because the UFC is not going to want to disclose that pay. So I think this is really something that the managers should really be pursuing. But I haven't heard one peep from a manager on this. And, and Smith is the first fighter I've heard spoke about speak about this. The fact is, with this information, fighters have power. And they should all be asking that this stuff is disclosed and not just what's on the contracts or the fight agreements. What is actually being paid should be disclosed. Because that's the only way and the only power the fighters and the managers and their agents have with the UFC. You take that away and you put even more power in the UFC's hands. And that's exactly what they don't need. 
This ruling is great for the UFC and terrible for the fighters and the managers. And if your manager isn't speaking up about this as, as a fighter, you might want to look at how cozy that manager is with the UFC because this is something that needs to change and managers should be pushing for this because it gives them negotiating power. And if you allow the UFC to take that away from you as and your manager, then what is your manager doing for you? That's something that fighters need to ask and that's something that managers need to, to think about. Uh, it's it's a ridiculous, ridiculous thing that this, this is being done. And it's ridiculous that any fighter or manager is standing for it and not asking why. I think Paige Van Zant is going to have some troubles here on the free agent market. And why I think that is uh, because she spoke to... Damon Martin at MMA Fighting and something that came out was that she has a surgery scheduled on her arm um, and so what, what Martin wrote is uh, she's anxious to wash the bad taste of the lost uh, Amanda Hebus from her mouth which is why she will likely push back a previously planned surgery on her arm in order to sign a new contract and get back in action sooner rather than later. I don't want to have surgery again, Van Zant told MMA Fighting. Before the fight, I had said I might need to have one more arm surgery to feel 100%. But even through this, I do feel 100%, and I'm hoping to sign a new fight promotion with somebody and fight this year if I can. So uh, any promotion that has the has any interest in Van Zant is obviously going to do their due diligence on this arm situation and have her checked out and so if there's any indication that she is going to need surgery now or in the very near future then that is going to reduce her pay uh, by a by a pretty large amount and I would have to think that this is one of the reasons the UFC was so eager to be done with with Van Zant or at least get her out of the UFC right now based on the contract she was on. And so maybe the UFC does want her back but doesn't want to pay for another salary or to have a fighter who is going to be out of action for a while while she rehabs from an arm surgery. And the UFC is not going to be the only promotion that, that is thinking about that. So this information is really, really going to hurt uh, Paige Van Zandt's marketing, not marketing potential, but her ability to uh, sign a, 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 big, a big free agency deal with another promotion. Uh, so the UFC might have known this. That might be why they were so nonchalant about her leaving. Uh, but it, it also opens the door to get her back at a reduced price, the UFC that is, and with with the possibility of another arm surgery and her even saying that the possibility is out there, that's really going to reduce her, her bargaining power. And it's, yeah, I don't, I'm, it's going to be very interesting to watch how this all plays out, but I don't think that um, and I might be wrong, but I don't believe that Van Zandt is going to get the best deal 
as a free agent if there is some worry that she won't be able to fight on a regular basis or that more surgeries are going to be racked up um, on another promotion's um, medical insurance, if they even have that. Uh, so they're going to want a healthy Van Zant and the potential for surgery is not going to be a positive for her when, when she goes to strike a new deal. Dustin Poirier has really been doing things right here in the last couple years of his career, and I don't think that's going to change. So he was uh, speaking on to Jim Rome, and he said that he knows that he's um, near the end of his career, but he also knows what he wants and how he wants to end that career. And what he said was, I'm not sure what the options will be when the UFC comes back and starts sitting at the table to make these matches. It needs to be a really big name or a title fight. I've been doing this for 10 years in the UFC and I still love fighting, but I want these fights to mean more than just a fight. I don't want it to just be about a show and win purse. I want it to really mean something and I know I'm in the back nine of my career. Um, so then he talked about winning the UFC Community Award for his, his uh, charity, the Good Fight Foundation, and this is what he had to say about that and how that also affects his thinking. It puts fighting into perspective. It's just something I do, something I do very well, but it's just part of my life. Whenever fighting stops, I'm still going to be a father, and I'm still going to be the president of the Good Fight Foundation, and I'm still going to be a husband. Realizing that and growing up in the sport and being more mature now lets me put it put it that way and lets me think of it that way. I enjoy it. I love fighting, but it's going to stop one day and these other things will not. So I'm just enjoying the ride of everything. So Poye has said that he wants, you know, his fights during the end of his career to mean something and be legacy building. And I I appreciate that. And I think he is someone that can do that and who has someone he is someone who has the power to negotiate that now does the UFC see it that way i don't know i mean they've put poye in a lot of high profile fights so they obviously like the guy um they 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 wouldn't put him in, in those position if if he wasn't a exciting fighter and someone who can draw eyeballs to the to the UFC but if he starts to make demands, eh, that might change. But he's also someone who has, uh, who can be a source of good public relations for the UFC with his foundation. So even if they're not tied to that foundation monetarily, Dustin Poirier is still a UFC fighter, and so they can still be associated with that in in the minds of folks who support Poirier. Uh, so. I think his attitude is correct. I think that he knows where he stands in his career and he knows what he wants to do in the future. And I think that's a great thing and I think other fighters should really look into uh, what Poirier is doing and how they can maybe not do the same things but do similar and help the community and elevate themselves and the UFC and their community all at the same time. 
Um, and then that's a win-win. It's a win for everyone. Uh, but I don't know if a lot of people have that kind of foresight um, just because of how the fight game works. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to make money just to support your family. But then to support a family and a, and a charitable foundation, that has to be extremely difficult in the UFC. So I would uh, I applaud Poye, and I hope this does work out for him and work out for his foundation and his career. And that once this is all done and he's no longer uh, competing, he is still able to generate uh, charitable funds for for the things in his in his community. And I think he does excellent work. And I think he's an exciting fighter. And I think the UFC should support him. And hopefully that works out. So Gilbert Burns has tested COVID-19 free. Which is obviously a great thing. Um, it cost him a title fight with Kamara Usman. That Jorge Masvidal stepped in on. But from what Dana White says... Burns will be the next in line for a title fight. So um, he uh, said that he was happy that he wasn't, uh, no, he was no longer carrying COVID 19. And he also said that, and this was after his two week quarantine, he also said that his team told him to take another two weeks off till he felt 100% and then get back in, into the gym. And I'm glad he's considering this a a positive too, um, because he um, said that as active as he as he was over the past year, that this is a good break for him, and and it came at a good time, and so he's just looking at this as as really as a positive, but it also seems to indicate that he is not going to be willing to or not want to fight for uh, take another fight before he can get the title fight. And that makes sense. I mean, if he is the uh if he's the guy that's going to get the next title fight, the risk might not be worth it if he's only taking a fight for money. And I think the better rest that he is, the better he will do against Kamaru Usman, the better trained he is, the better he will do against Kamaru Usman. So, if he wants to wait, he wants to wait. But he's if he's waiting, he's next in line. So then it just becomes how long Usman wants to wait to defend the title again. And if Burns gets the itch to fight before the before Usman's willing to come back, then I think that that fight should be against Leon Edwards. Um, high risk fight, but a win there will still keep him in in contention for the title. Um, but it was just good to see Burns take a, a pretty good look at what had, how often he had fighted, fought rather, and see that this break, as as taxing as it was, because since it was due to COVID nineteen, and um, is going to be good for him in the long run, because it'll help him be rested and ready for when he actually does get that fight against. Kamaru Usman, whenever that will happen. And with that, I'm going to call it a night. And like I said, I should have a story up on Bloody Elbow in the not-too-distant future about the way the 
Nevada fighter um, Nevada fighter pay disclosure is going to change, and hopefully you give that give that a read. Um, and I should be back tomorrow with another podcast. Until then, stay safe.